Hello. This is short take three and a continuation of Korean cuisine, some sightseeing in Seoul, and the DMZ. I did a lot of exploring, in large part when I was stationed at Osan Air Base, to learn about the culture and Korea itself. A lot of this touring was done with Ken, who you met in short take two. And, along with Ken today, I have another guest who I met at Holt in Ilsan. In addition to time at Ilsan, Joanne joined Ken and me in exploring Seoul. She was so much fun to share time with. Since 1990, I've been back to Korea about a half dozen times to include a short stint as a visiting professor at the Korea National Defense University. I still like to see the main sites as well as explore new areas. I do this with nearly every international trip. There are two places I ensure I go to. The first, a local grocery store. The second, a store like Home Depot or stores that sell things in that kind of inventory. The reason is that it gives me a unique perspective of what people shop for and what's different and the same as what we shop in my country. It's insightful and fun to do. I already mentioned the wonderful food. Sometimes it is hard to find a traditional Korean restaurant if one stays in the tourist areas. The last time I was in Korea was for my birthday, and I'm posting my amazing lunch of bulgogi or grilled beef with the wraps, side dishes, and wine. It was awesome. I also mentioned that we had some stories about food, and Ken, my guest from last week, is going to share a memory he had on dining out in Korea with someone who knew just enough Korean to be dangerous. Ken, you're up. The food in Korea is simply, in a single word, outstanding. But I got to tell you a story, a very short story, of going to a Korean restaurant with our dear good friend, my uh, host, I would say, for the country, my interpreter, my guide, who took us to a great restaurant where we thought we were going to have some uh, Korean barbecue, I believe it was. And my very, very limited knowledge of saying anything in Korean, I defaulted to my good friend to order for us. Uh, he spoke in what I thought was great Korean. The uh, waitress, a lady that I remember being very kind and uh, would furrow her brow while... Uh, while we tried to describe what we wanted to eat, uh, shook her head and uh, brought uh, food to us. Uh, not what we thought we were going to get. In fact, uh, we thought we had ordered one meal and was brought a huge bowl of soup and other uh, dishes, which were which were just so good. It's it's still unbelievable to me today that that uh, our fumbling. Uh, <laughs> our fumbling way of ordering food turned out to be probably one of the best meals and one of my fondest memories of my time in Korea. Um, I love, I love the memory, and I will tell you to this day. Whenever I go into a Korean restaurant and I see pictures of the food and the uh, plastic uh, dishes representing the different foods offered by the restaurant, I remember that time in a little Korean restaurant where we thought we had ordered one food and received another, and how that surprise was just the best that could have happened and made a great meal 
probably one of the best meals that I've ever had in my life. Thank you again, Ken, for joining me today. I think the best places to go and eat are those with the pictures on the menus. After all, my Korean did get a little better over time. Alas, still fairly rudimentary. Point and order on menus seems to work much better. Well, we're on one of my favorite topics of Korea. Here is my other guest, Joanne Coleman, who I met at Ilsan and palled around with. She has a great story about food that I think you'll find really interesting. And while it's not exactly street food, I do have a story that I love to tell about persimmons. So growing up on the East Coast, persimmons were not a fruit that we ate in my family. And so when I I wasn't familiar with them at all. Um, and when I went to Korea, their, um, the host family that I stayed with really liked them. And they bought uh, a bunch off of um, a street vendor and, and brought them home. And um, for those who are familiar with the fruit of persimmons, there's two varieties. I didn't know this at the time, but persimmons come in uh, two forms. There's the fuyu and the hachia. And the fuyu is, um, looks kind of like a tomato. Um, both of them are bright red, orange color uh, fruits. And the one that has a bottom that looks like a tomato can be eaten and sliced hard, kind of like an apple. But the other kind, the hachia, is one that is only edible, good to eat when it is not just ripe, but overripe. You know it's ready when it is super mushy and soft. The outer skin of the hachia persimmon has actually split, and you will see the juice and honestly the guts of the persimmon sort of oozing and seeping out. Having never seen this fruit before in memory on the East Coast, I was a little... um hesitant when they showed it to me because it looked rotten and disgusting being all weepy and gooey like this and my host family seeing that I was puzzled showed me how to eat it you pull off the leaf on the top and you uh, split it into sections you don't eat the the outer skin and actually for a lot of fruit uh, Koreans don't eat the outer skin um, remind me to tell you about grapes after this um, and so you kind of hold the section in your hand and here's this very gooey mess and you bite into it and I wasn't that excited about eating this because it looks so disgusting but my host family was feeding me and um you had I had to be polite and I had you know I, I knew good etiquette was you you go ahead and you you try it and so I brought it up smelled it put it into my mouth took a took a bite and was really kind of emotionally overwhelmed by how familiar this food was. Ripe hachia persimmon, if you can get past the texture, is incredibly sweet. Um, I'm not really sure what to compare it to. Maybe, I mean, how do you compare anything to anything? Um, it was just extremely, extremely a familiar taste. And to eat this food that I had never seen before that I could recall and have it taste like something that I had eaten yesterday, it was very clear to me that this must have been something that I ate often as a young child in Korea before the age of six. 
moved to the United States, didn't see this food again. And that was one of the most incredible things for me when I went to Korea back on that homeland tour and also when I went back uh, to spend a school year there was how many times I would be struck by a food or a flavor or a smell that I could not articulate that seemed like yesterday. And I wish that the memories that went with it had come back as well, rather than just the taste memory. But I am forever grateful for at least having had that taste memory. And persimmons are, you know, I'm kind of crazy about them now. I, I live in Northern California, and I can get persimmons only certain times of the year. And they are one of, hands down, one of my favorite foods. Um, not only because they are tasty and delicious, and the slimy texture of the hachia persimmons doesn't bother me. I like both types of persimmons, the hard and the soft. But knowing every time I eat them, that it's a little bit of my early childhood coming back to me. So thought I would share that with you. Joanne, I love that story because it helps illustrate how the sights and smells and tastes of Korea blend to the mystic of the country. Experiencing new and different things is what being a world citizen is all about. I will also never forget the time that we were meeting in Seoul and Joanne came out of the train station in a very crowded environment, and we found her right away because she wore this amazing, colorful jacket coming down this steep stairway. A photo is in the episode pictures. So, what are some of the must-sees in Seoul and around Korea? The list is long, so I'm going to focus on just three key sites and then the DMZ. First are the palaces. They are, there are several, and each has its own story. They display the architecture of centuries ago, the gardens, and perhaps most of all, the history and traditions. Many Koreans still go there to continue to pay their respects, pray, and continue the traditions of the nation's history. Second are the museums. I already mentioned the History Museum. Like any country proud of the arts and history, you won't want to miss these. There are a couple of art museums and the National Folk Museum is a must-see as well. This museum provides the traditional life of the Korean people with special exhibits. I think for me, seeing and experiencing the traditions of the country help understand the customs of Korea as well as the depth of the Korean people. Third is Seoul Tower. You can't miss it. You get to go into the observatory and words can express the spectacular views to me, especially at dusk. Seeing the full spectrum of Seoul from high up is really a chance to see how diverse the city is with old and new and traditional and modern. The tower still broadcasts and you can see the broadcasting equipment up close and personal. Getting around Korea is both easy and unique, especially back in the 1980s. Joanne, I think you have a story you want to share about the three of us maneuvering our way around. Uh, hands off, hats off to you. It's not easy to study language, and it sounds like you made quite a bit of progress on your own. Um, back in the day before we had easy apps that we could carry around uh, on our little pocket computer phones these days with Duolingo or things like that, it, it was hard. You got books and you got 
tapes that you had to play and they went sequentially and, you know, it wasn't something that you could easily fit into small bits of time and carry around with you the way you do now. So, so congratulations for the study that you did manage to do. I remember one time where the pronunciation was not quite right. And it was one of the funniest, uh, just moments in time. We were heading back to base, I think, and the road to get there was one lane both ways. And so it was pretty much impossible to pass a car because there just wasn't room. And we were in a hurry for some reason. And we got stuck behind a very, very slow moving vehicle. And you were not driving, somebody else was driving, but you were just getting very agitated and irritated. And when the road finally widened enough so that we could pass them by, you felt inspired to roll the window down, lean out, and as we passed the other car, yell at them for being so slow. And what you meant to yell was faster. Bali! But what you actually yelled was slightly off. What you yelled was bale. And for those of your audience who actually speak Korean, who don't actually speak Korean, bali means go faster. Bale means laundry. And so we were just laughing in the back seat, realizing that we had just yelled laundry at the very slow moving vehicle ahead of us. Um, Joanne, I totally forgot about that experience. You have to admit, the three of us had a lot of fun and it all started at Ilsan at Holt. Visiting the DMZ brings the reality of the present situation between the Republic of Korea and the DPRK, or North Korea. In the past five years, Korea has been in the news to a greater extent, and being in the DMZ brings color to that reality. When you're in the DMZ, you actually get to step into North Korea because the Peace House is half in North Korea and half in the Republic of Korea. There are photos with the episode. Many of you may have also seen this on TV as well. There are many rules when attending to ensure tourists don't provoke the soldiers guarding just across the road. Extreme caution must be followed. When you go to the DMZ, especially for my American listeners, you get a reality check. You see it in the public areas and the subways where there are gas masks pre-positioned. We're coming up on 70 years since the truce was signed, and yet there is a constant reminder of what might be. As this short tour ends, let me leave you with this thought. Korea is a beautiful country from mountains to beaches. It has some of the world's biggest cities and some of the most quintessential traditional villages. You'll see people who live life for today, people who work hard, and people who love their nation. Ken and Joanne helped further shape how amazing Korea is, and I thank them for their stories. Today's travel tip is mobile phones. The tip is short because it's changed a lot over the last seven or eight years. The reason is that eSIMs are becoming more prevalent and the old way of using mobile phones is becoming outdated. So, if you have a carrier with a plan with international roaming, you're set. Mine does and it works just like the home, the phone at home. Before my plan included international, 
Nearly every country I went to, I would buy a SIM card and replace the SIM card while in the visiting country. If that's a workable solution for you, there are two key and important reminders. First, turn off and take out your SIM card as you leave the United States. If you turn the phone on as you land, your text messages and mail will come streaming in and it can get very expensive because it will count as data internationally. Until you get an in-country SIM card, use Wi-Fi only and you'll still be okay. You'll see all your messages and texts, can make phone calls via Wi-Fi on programs like Spike, uh, Skype, which is fairly inexpensive. On the other hand, if you have an eSIM without international roaming on your plan, you can only add the visiting country SIM if the device has a SIM card slot. For example, iPhone 14s do not. In that case, you may have to consider getting a prepaid phone in country or sign up for a period of time that you're out of the country with your carrier. I've done that on short trips when the cost was fairly reasonable. I remember one country I was in, I didn't speak the language at all, and the agent also spoke almost no English. So I used a translator app to actually buy a SIM card from my phone, got it all set up, and when I went back to the hotel, I went to the desk to make sure I didn't sign up for something that I didn't expect. It was all good. So, every country will be different. Do a little research and you'll find a solution that works for your trip. Until next time, have a super week. Episode 11 will come out on Thursday with the next big transition in my life, starting a career in the Air Force. The Boy in the Trash Can is a production of CSJ Associates.